Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode one, The Other Side of the Sea. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened previously in Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. We have waited a year and a half, mm-hmm. two years, a year and a half, a feels year like half. five years um, for season four, and we're already here. I don't know. It felt like it both dragged on forever and flew by. Well, it's been a long year. Yeah. I feel like it flew by because this year has been not the greatest, but I feel like it dragged on forever because this is probably one of the most highly anticipated seasons of one of the most renowned anime of this era yeah i heard reports that i think crunchyroll had crashed several times throughout the night as people were trying to watch uh, this premiere episode because that's that's how important this anime is to again to this generation that's unheard of at least from my knowledge like i've never heard of a streaming service crashing because of the sheer demand to watch an anime. You hear about, you know, stores and their websites crashing when like a new gaming console comes out. Yeah. And there's, you know, bots and scalpers and everyone's trying to get on there at the same time. And it's a big hot mess and, and everything just freezes, but not anime. So that, I think that alone just speaks to the impact that this anime has again on this generation this era of anime and this generation of viewers yeah for me especially i think i mentioned this either in one of our episodes or in a as a guest spot on uh, another podcast that this was an anime that kind of brought me back into that world um because before when did this anime come out like 2013 or so i had kind of fallen off the face of the earth in terms of watching anime but once people started talking about this one and just saying how good it was kind of brought me back onto that train. Um, So I have a lot to be thankful for um, with this anime. And again, to see it at its epic conclusion after four seasons, I think is going to close a very important chapter in my... Your anime life? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, And to that point, I feel like this is one of those anime... It's it's an anime that people will choose to recommend to people who don't watch anime. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a very good gateway anime as long as you preface it, uh, you know, with some of like the the intense fight scenes and, and gore that happens in the show, and that you kind of explain the the exposition is very confusing and, and pretty heavy at times. Not as confusing as Kingdom Hearts. That's true. That that is that is absolutely true. Um, but yeah, I've heard that this is a, a an anime that is certainly a go to uh, for those trying to introduce friends or family to to the world of of anime. But one big question I have as anime only viewers: um, Do we feel like four seasons is going to be enough? Do you have any concern with? the amount of content left because the, I think the manga is still technically going. I I haven't heard that it's wrapped up. Could be wrong. Again, I don't read anime or don't read anime, don't read manga. So I'm not entirely sure, but that's a lot of content and to pack it into a final season. I'm like, I have the tiniest little fear that we're going to get another game of Thrones season eight thing, but I, I hope we don't. And I, I don't think truly that we will, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was looking on Wikipedia, actually, um, with looking for just kind of general production notes uh, for this season. And one interesting thing that I found is that, again, according to Wikipedia, this season has an episode count of just 16 episodes. Wait, what? Yeah, just 16. I heard it was going to be a full like 24 to 26, unless it's going to be like a part one, part two, like season three. It could be, but again, this is just what Wikipedia is saying at this current time. That's crazy mm. because every other season's had at least 25, 26 episodes. Maybe not the first one. I can't remember, but um, I that's a tall order for 
Studio Mappa to make an entire conclusion to this epic show in just 16 episodes. That's that's a lot. Yeah, and I don't know if this is common with anime, if they are planning to do like extended episodes to try to pack as much as they can into one sitting. But maybe we'll probably go into this a little more later on. Um, but I feel like this season is probably going to be broken into two arcs just based on what happens in this first episode. I can see that. I, I have, My gut's telling me they're probably going to do like a season three where you get the first main arc and the first half and the, or part one and then the rest of it in part two. They had a, like, a, a small break between parts, didn't they? Yeah, I remember that for season three. Um, and of course, there was like a four-year gap between season one and two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that that 16 episode count is a little bit concerning because to your to your point who knows how much content that they will have for this few episodes and also again not knowing whether or not the manga is still ongoing or if it's about to reach its conclusion like what has the show decided to do um, when it reaches that point of the story like is it going to follow I think it's Isayama right was the writer i think so um is it going to follow like isayama's vision for how he sees the story ending or are we going to get another game of thrones shit show (laughs) yeah because now that i think about it that means it's 16 weeks the the manga has 16 weeks to wrap up otherwise the anime will have a conclusion before that um yeah that just that seems wild to me I, I mean, personally, I hope that it's much longer than that just because I, I don't want Attack on Titan to end. I was shocked when they announced at the end of season three that season four would be the final season. I was like, at least, I, I thought at, at minimum, at least two more seasons. Yeah, uh, I think after the, the bombshell of um, season three's revelation, like there is so much more that they could do with that. But I think it was like the season finale for season three. There was... um a teaser at the end which just announced that the next season was going to be the final season yeah my jaw dropped i was yeah. like no i'm not ready for it to end it's so good but on that note let's dive right in to what i think we can both agree is an epic start to the season but also a really confusing one if i'm being frank yeah well, if i had another word to describe this episode i put it down here in my notes is unexpected um and it's more from the point of I didn't expect the season to start off from the perspective of the Marley side with like entirely new characters. Um, and we see like a stark contrast in like the background, the setting, their even their outfits and weapons, like comparing the swords and ODM gear that the survey, right? The s- scout regiment uses mm-hmm. to all these like, almost World War II-like rifles and tanks. And one thing I wanted to point out, too, that kind of shows this change in perspective is the title of this episode is The Other Side of the Sea. And if you remember the season three finale, that title was The Other Side of the Wall. So it kind of shows, again, like, yeah, there's a change in viewpoint um, of what we're seeing in this episode compared to what we're used to with following Again, the scouts on their journey to find out the truth about the Titans. I'm I'm hoping we'll get at least a little bit of a view into the culture shock that I'm sure the scouts are, are going to experience now that they've finally broken out of the wall and are basically going to leave this island and, and see what the rest of the world is like. like that's I want to see them try to navigate those tricky waters, no pun intended. Yeah. And another thing there is and we'll probably go into this a little later on, is that this episode begins with a time skip from the events of season three's finale. Um, I think that one of the characters mentions that it's been four years um, since this war between Marley and the Mideast allies has been raging on. So that kind of makes me wonder what Aaron and the scouts have been doing um, within that time period. And maybe we'll see that in a further episode Um, But that was one of my questions after watching this first episode. One of the things that I want to talk about really quick before we dive into the synopsis is the opening and the ending. 
my initial thought was, did they blow the entire budget on the main animation that they couldn't afford any animation in the OP? Because this by far was the most boring opening, both music-wise and visual-wise, um, for Attack on Titan. And maybe, to be fair, it's a placeholder for when they finally reveal like the main cast. Because I'm guessing if the opening is like other Attack on Titan openings or other anime openings, it's going to have a lot of like basically spoilers in the opening, but we haven't actually seen the main cast yet. We haven't seen the main trio yet. So I'm I'm trying to hold out hope that maybe this is just a placeholder opening for um for this, you know, uh, point of view of, of the Marley army or whatever. Um, and that when we finally do get to see the main cast um, again, that it'll switch to like a better opening. Cause this was, this was lackluster and, Attack on Titan openings and endings are always like in your face mm-hmm. and very like inspirational and, and super hype. Yeah, I think the visuals for this opening it evoked a lot of similarities to like propaganda war films. Like, like a lot of the overtones of this whole episode is like World War II. Um, the colors were very muted. Um, at one point, I know there were like psychedelic effects for the shot where you see birds falling from the sky. But like you said, like this pales in comparison to a lot of the other openings um, for Attack on Titan that we've seen before. Uh, You do get a brief glimpse of who I think is Eren in his Attack Titan form at the end. But otherwise, like you said, there's no mention or glimpse of any of the uh, characters from Paradis. Um, so maybe we'll get a, another opening once they're introduced to the storyline. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention with this opening is the song, which is called My War by Shinsei Kamatechan. This is actually the same band that performed that creepy ending theme for season two. Oh, I God, I hated that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like even this song is just very underwhelming and, Hope, my hope is that they've saved Linked Horizon, who did a majority of the openings, for like the final half of this season. Like, I'm sure, again, fingers crossed that they kept them to record the final theme for this show. And it hopefully is as grand as all of the other songs that we've come to know and love. I can't imagine it not being them. They've done such a fantastic job. And also, I just want to hear more Sasageo. Like, right. that's what I want. If they just made an entire <laughs> opening where they just do the Sasageo part um, of, I think, the season two opening, that's I, I, could, I couldn't I could be happier. That's all I, all I want. Yeah, and I think any country now should just adopt Shinzo Sasageo as their national anthem. <laughs> and I would stand and proudly put my hand over my heart for that song. <laughs> But we digress, so let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis for The Other Side of the Sea. War. What is it good for? Absolutely Marley. Instead of seeing Aaron and company, we are thrust four years after the events of Season 3's finale into the story of Falco Punch, an Eldian warrior candidate shell-shocked in the midst of a Marley battle against the Mideast Allied Forces, who have taken a cue from Obi-Wan Kenobi and control a seaside fort on the high ground preventing Marley forces from reaching the island of Paradise. Falco Punch's older brother, Colt, suggests to commit... they're brothers? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they mentioned that. Um, yeah, Colt suggests to Commander Maggot that they use their warrior titans to break the fort's defenses. But Commander Maggot scoffs at the Eldian Mudblood suggestion because of the armored anti-titan train that the allied forces have on deck. Commander Maggot plagiarizes South Park's Operation Human Shield wherein 800 Eldian soldiers launch a suicide attack on the train. But a tenacious warrior candidate named Gabby offers to disable the train head-on to prove herself as a worthy inheritor of Reiner's armored titan power. She succeeds, allowing the cart titan, the jaw titan, and Reiner's armored titan to lead a ground assault on the fort. Up in the air, Zeke Jaeger, or should I say Zeal, leads a troop of titans to parachute into the fort in a joint aerial assault. And in his beast titan form, throws 100-mile-per-hour fastballs towards the sea to destroy the Allied naval fleet, and Reiner is obliterated, defending Zeo from return volleys in the process. Marley forces capture the fort and negotiate, or rather force, a peace treaty with the Mideast, but realizing the Allies' weapons of mass destruction are powerful enough to take down warrior titans, 
they realized the importance of obtaining the Founding Titan's power as ASAP as possible. Also, the episode ends with an unnamed man reading of the battle in a newspaper, teaching us that it's always good to stay informed through various means of reliable Marley propaganda. And if I can say right off the bat, for a nation that claims to be like the superior nation um, with a vast invading army, Marley is far from a grandiose imperial-sounding name. Like when I think Marley, I think of that that movie with the the dog. No, <laughs> I've never watched it, but I know what happens. No, but yeah, again, going back to the the overtones of World War Two, I I know that Marley is supposed to be like a a stand-in for what is Nazi Germany, but Marley again doesn't have that power behind it. But that's all I'll say about the, about the name of the nation. Well, to that point, um, and I guess I'll, I'll just mention this now. One of the things that I was kind of wondering about watching this episode, and I think they've they've hinted towards it toward it before, but this I think is the first time, at least for me, that it's been really apparent, is that Marley is nothing without the power of the Titans, despite basically going to war, or at least one of the initial wars, with the Eldians because of the Titans kind of running wild and, and I don't know. Well, I think mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, it's the, the Eldians became too powerful where there were fights internally um, like among them. And then the Marley nation took advantage of that and wanted to overthrow the Titans. But again, the, the only reason and commander Magath mentions this, or he asked Colt um, in the first part of the episode, what makes a nation of Marley so great or so powerful? And the answer is the power of the Titans. And again, it's it's ironic because they despise and they demonize the Eldian people and the Titans, but without them, they're nothing. Right. And to go off of that, I guess for some of the listeners who need a, a refresher on the history between Marley and the Eldians, um, IGN actually provides a concise six-minute recap on their YouTube channel. And I know... Um, Funimation has a two-hour movie that recaps the first three seasons called Attack on Titan Chronicle. Um, but just, again, to provide a brief recap, when Eren and company go to Shinganshina and open up the door to Aaron, or Grisha Yeager's basement, they learn that they've been living on the island of Paradise as part of the Eldian race, and those are humans capable of transforming into titans. These titans got their powers basically through a deal with the devil, and were OP as fuck in conquering nations with their nine warrior titans at the helm. However, there was some infighting that led to their demise, which led King Fritz to decide to erase everyone's memories with the founding titans' powers and seal them within the walls of Paradise because he no longer wanted to wage war. And that's where Marley took advantage of the Eldian Civil War and obtained seven of the nine warrior titan powers in their conquest for, again, conquering the Eldian people, and using the powers to their own advantage. Yeah, I needed that recap, that that IGN video, because after watching this first episode, it was, again, just in general, the the plot is very confusing at times, and having gone a year and a half since watching the last season, I I needed that refresher, because I watched this, and I was like, wait, what's happening? It did make more sense the second time I watched this first episode, but yeah, I definitely need at least two rewatches and a, a recap video to fully understand what was going on. Yeah, and I wrote down a list of the eight currently known Titans. Because again, there are nine in total, but in the anime, we only know of eight. Um, those are the Founding Titan, which Eren possesses, the Colossal Titan, which Armin now possesses, the Female Titan, which Annie still possesses, even though she's in her crystal shell or whatever the beast titan which we see in this episode with zeke the armored titan which we see with reiner although i'm not sure if reiner survived his sacrifice attempt for saving zeke Um, the attack titan which Eren also holds and then there's the jaw titan which we saw was previously helmed by ymir Um, and the cart titan which i guess his name is piek but going back to the jaw titan I think we last saw Ymir in, was it season three or season two? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think it was season two. I think there were yeah. recaps. Like, um, Historia had recollections of Ymir in season three, but I think the last time I actually saw her was two. I could be wrong, though. Mm-hmm. But, 
if you remember her Titan, it was more of like a, it had like these feral powers where it kind of jumped everywhere and had these like, again, pretty sizable jaws, hence the namesake Jaw Titan. But in this episode, we see that Titan, but it doesn't look like a mirror. So I'm theorizing that something happened to a mirror where she obviously had to have been eaten for someone else to have gained her powers and that they mentioned that his name is Galliard because he moves the same way that um, Emir's Titan um, was moving when we saw her using her powers. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think you mentioned before we started recording that there's still, so you said there's nine, but we haven't seen the ninth Titan, right? Mm-hmm. So that would make sense. Um, and that makes me wonder if that's the case, what happened? It also makes me realize that every one of the nine Titan owners has to eventually get eaten. Like when they pass on the armored Titan to Gabby or whoever from the warriors, that means Reiner has to be eaten. Like that's a really stark existence. Just knowing that you're going to end up, first of all, you don't live once you get the Titan power, you don't live your full life. It's like, I think you said like 13 years. Yeah. It was the, the curse of Emir, the first, um, human to wield the titan powers i think she was like after 13 years of using her power like she passed away or whatever so your lifespan shortens to 13 years from the time that you inherit the titan power Mm -hmm. before that you have to be turned into a titan which is already pretty horrific i'm sure (laughs) and then you have to pray to god that everything goes well because i don't think titans can really control themselves if they're not the nine titans Mm -hmm. so then you have to pray to god everything goes well and that you actually do successfully eat the other person and then knowing that you've inherited those powers you now have to just be ready for at some point in the next 13 years being eaten yourself by a titan like that is just that is that is a bleak outlook on life yeah and now thinking about it like when they saved armin by turning him into a titan and him eating the colossal titan like, now he's a, a ticking time bomb. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't want to sign up for that, but, you know. Well, it was that or die. Right. <laughs> so, going back to this first episode, um, immediately we get the shot with Falco on the ground, like, out of his mind. And I think at that point he says something like, or maybe right after, he says that he he saw himself or he was fighting titans flying around with swords in his hands i don't know if it mm-hmm. was at that moment or after he gets back to the um the trenches it's after colt drags him from like the battlefield and into the trenches because the, the other three warrior candidates have to bring him up to speed and like explain the situation again to him so that just begs the question is he seeing someone else's memories even without a titan power like that, that brings up a ton of questions. I mean, the like the first moments of this episode already have tons of questions that they open up, and I'm like, I, I need to know more. Like, is maybe having inheriting someone else's memories just a general trait of being an Eldian, or because I always thought it was attached to having Titan powers, given Aaron and him seeing all of his dad's memories. Although to be fair, he didn't see his dad's memories until he opened the basement, not when he inherited his Titan powers. At least initially. Didn't someone else have this sort of instance happen to them? I'm I'm thinking Reiner. That's what I'm thinking too. Because he would have those like moments where like a flip would switch in his head. And he would like talk about something or his demeanor would completely change. Um, So yeah, there's something else here that we haven't quite discovered yet. And I'm, I'm interested to know more. Same here. And then we get the introduction of Gabby. And all I could think of was... For anyone who has watched Oregairu or My Teen Romantic Comedy Snafu, I'm like, oh my god, it's Iroha. Like, to a T. It's like the same voice as Iroha. And I'm like, this is very distracting because I know that character pretty well and that is not what I expect for an Attack on Titan character. I also found out later that that's Uraraka's voice actor from uh, My Hero Academia. No, none of you will be able to unhear it. (laughs) I mean, she doesn't sound as much like Uraraka just because... Her voice is usually more higher pitched, but yeah, it's just weird. Like, I wouldn't expect either of those two characters to share a voice with someone like Gabby from Attack on Titan, but here we are. I guess I'll have to get used to it. Yeah, and Gabby reminds me of, like, Marley's unhinged version of Hanji. They just have very similar mannerisms, especially after 
Gabby throws her grenade contraption at the the train tracks and she does like this little victory dance before she runs back to back to the trenches um yeah this bitch is crazy yeah <laughs> um but she has this very biting need to prove herself to the world that like she is able to wield the or be the next in line for this armored titan power and it's interesting that she says she wants to prove to the world that there are only good Eldians and that she wants to free her people from the internment zone in Marley, which I guess equates to like the Jewish ghettos during world war two and then kill the Island devils, which like makes me wonder how brainwashed are these candidates to think that like only their Eldians are, are like the truly good ones and that, the ones on this island are are deemed to be evil. I thought the exact same thing. The Eldians are treated like absolute shit. And the fact that she wants to free Eldians in the internment zone, but not free any of the Eldians on Paradise is just like, it's mind blowing. It, it just tells you the power of propaganda and manipulation mm-hmm. that the people on, on Paradise who are basically the same as those in the internment zone are viewed by her as completely different despite her being viewed by all non-eldians as like a devil and a you know piece of garbage and and you know tainted and all of that you'd think she'd be able to sympathize with those on paradise um, or at least question what she's being told because of how she's treated as an eldian herself um but she just blindly follows it right and another thing is if you remember, there's this scene where Falco saves one of the soldiers from the other side, on the Mideast side, and tries to tend to his wounds. But this soldier is like mumbling to himself. And I think um, one of the candidates, Udo, tells uh, Falco that he's muttering that he doesn't want to be tainted by being touched by this Eldian, which just shows like not only does Marley think Eldians are like an inferior race, but even the side that's combating Marley despises them too. Which is pretty depressing. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of tie that into like the symbolism behind the bird at the beginning of this episode. Um, Cause you see like when Falco's lying on the battlefield, he sees this bird flying up in the air and he's instructing it to like fly far away. I took it as almost like the bird almost reminds me of like symbolism of the wings of freedom which is the the symbol of the scouts but here it's kind of bringing into question what kind of freedom are these eldians looking for right is it freedom from marley but even if they do get freed from marley you still have again the allies who because of the the titan power that resides in their blood causes them to almost despised by anyone that comes across their race it also makes me think about everyone on paradise and how they're so fascinated with what's beyond the wall what's out there i mean wants to see the sea um, or the ocean and he wants to know kind of what what's beyond the walls and in reality it's horrible for Mm -hmm. eldians out there like it's terrible they're probably better off just hanging out in paradise until everyone outside of the walls kills themselves in battle um and then they can go and and do what they need to do but it's like it's it's just going to be a stark reality for them which again is why as i said earlier i want to see even if it's flashbacks because i know that there's been a four-year time skip i want to see the the culture shock that they go through leaving you know getting out behind from behind these walls leaving paradise and and hitting the mainland and and seeing what it's really like and how people actually view them as eldians yeah, and in that case, there's almost like, again, two different sects of um, Eldians. Again, seeing these two different sides of the coin when it comes to freedom. Um, so to the point of your culture shock um, comments, I'm hoping like we'll probably see that once, again, the characters from Paradise come into play and how they interact with these Eldians and whether or not they they come together or just have a second civil war between between them yeah that's a good point they're they're gonna hate each other well i think the eldians from paradise are probably gonna be like hey you're other eldians only to realize that 
the other Eldians want to kill them. So yeah, well, there's a lot that's going to happen. And I, I'm hoping that season four does all of it justice because you always hear about i mean it's natural in anime to not be able to adapt a hundred percent of what the manga provides Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of content that gets cut in order to just make it reasonable for for the anime um but in this i mean there's just so much happening so many unanswered questions that i'm like how are they going to pack all that into a final season it's just it's crazy and i i hope that they I hope that they don't cut a lot of things as much as possible from the manga just because with a world that is this complex and a show that has this much world building, I feel like as anime only viewers, we're going to miss a lot, Mm -hmm. like a lot, probably more than most other manga um, or anime adaptations of of manga. So we'll see. Maybe this will be the show that finally gets me to start reading a bit of manga. And on that point, I wanted to kind of discuss one thing that I was most interested in going into this final season is the fact that the animation studio switched from which studio to MAPPA. I wanted to see what your thoughts were on how they handled this first episode. I think MAPPA did a great job. Um, I The animation looks a little bit different, but I think it still has that same Attack on Titan feel. Like, it's nothing egregious in terms of like the changes like minor changes to the way certain characters are drawn and whatnot but um i I think overall they've done a good job but it's it's hard to judge at this point because we're only one episode in the cgi i will say is super distracting and if you've listened to our podcast for a bit you know that we or at least i do not like cgi in anime i will give studio mappa credit because it seems like they're trying to mimic the look and feel of anime animation in the CGI because it always has that. I don't know how you what do you how you describe it like that choppy look in anime. Like the the animation is like very piecemeal sometimes. Yeah, I put here that the the Titans move more like mecha than they do as like fluid humanoid creatures. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the CGI Titans definitely do look and or move more like mecha. Um, they do still try to like cgi could be super like fluid and like i don't know how to describe it like very Mm -hmm. very tight frames but anime in general like has these moments where i don't know like the animation almost freezes in between movements you know what i mean like it has almost this choppy look without being choppy and i think they tried to mimic that with the cgi to keep it more cohesive but cgi is cgi like it's it just it sticks out like a sore thumb i know people um in general have been kind of divided on on the cgi some people are okay with it because of the way that they're handling it and others like me are just i think never gonna get used to cgi in anime Mm -hmm. for me like i'm still not sure how to feel with the way mappa animated this anime to give context, um, according to some articles, there were scheduling issues at Witch Studio, which is why MAPPA decided to take the helm um, in animating season four. I don't know. For me, like the visuals and some of the, the colors were a little bit underwhelming. And maybe that's a, just a creative choice in getting setting the, the tone of the episode because this episode is all about like fighting this battle in the middle of this desert battlefield. But even looking at the way characters are drawn like they don't seem to pop out like they used to like i remember watching in previous seasons like there would be these like thick bold lines that outline every character's face and body here it's like they kind of blend in with the background but did they have those i know what you're talking about those thick bold lines did they have that in season three i thought i felt like they they started to get move away from that as the seasons Mm -hmm. went on like yeah it, it I think they toned it down, but like they popped out more from the background still. Like they didn't blend in with the background as much as I thought they did um, in this episode. But I was reading more about Mappa's involvement in animating this season. And it, a lot of people are saying that, again, based on watching the teaser trailers that came out before this, that the studio is being more faithful to the source material in terms of how it looks and even how certain characters appear. So I guess I need to just, as with like most things that I'm 
in the midst of watching. I should just save my judgment until I've watched a couple more episodes. But yeah, we'll see how MAPPA does with the rest of the season. So more faithful to the source material. Does that mean Reiner has a mustache in the source material? Because I'm sorry, my <laughs> Reiner came in with the glow down. Like that mustache is, I don't even know what's on his face. Like a- thin pencil mustache yeah it's sad and it's super distracting and really ugly <laughs> like and it just makes him like i know there's it was a four-year time skip but it makes it feel like there was a 22-year time skip I'm like what happened reiner how fast did you age yeah even like zeke looked like his normal self so why is i guess like you know reiner might be suffering from so much ptsd from his uh secret operation in parodies maybe it's his midlife crisis because his life is only 13 years long now so (laughs) (laughs) and also he lost Berthold, which was probably his closest confidant yeah and so to to that point um i'll skip ahead a little bit in the episode to where um the blimp appears for the aerial attack um i had a couple of, of things i wanted to note with this so first off we see the the titans i guess in like these bags um, to be airdropped into the the fort, and it's I think it's clear that they're much bigger in size than the actual humans on that that aircraft. But what's interesting to me is that when they when they actually do drop them in, Zeke screams, and then it, they go through this transformation phase into like full size titans. So is this the first we're ever seeing that where someone's almost like at a halfway point Titan and then is transformed into a full Titan? And also how does Zeke have that ability to scream and fully transform Titans? So there's like a lot of questions that I had with that, that moment of the episode. Yeah. Cause Zeke, his father was Grisha. Yeah. He's Aaron's half brother, I think. And who is his mother? Is I it... think his mother. Ooh. His mother... Was it the one who ate Aaron's mother? See, I don't... I, I think so. But mm. some my gut is telling me that maybe... No, I don't know. I don't know. That's... Yeah. I think... It, <laughs> maybe someone out there has to has to fact check us. I mean, it, it must be. Otherwise, that means Grisha had three female companions. Mm. Well, what I was going to say is, like, if that's the case, I know that that Titan was, like, a member of the Fritz lineage, right? And I think anyone who's in that lineage has the capability of controlling Titans. Okay. So maybe that's that's how he's able to transform them. But that still yeah. leaves the question of how do you have halfway transformed Titans? Because that blimp is not big enough. Like once those Titans fully transform and hit the ground, I mean, they are full-size Titans. Mm-hmm. Like I would call them like mid to large-sized Titans. Um, there's no way they would have all fit in that blimp. So they're like halfway transformed and then they're fully transformed when he screams. Like, I I just have so many questions about that. How is that possible? And is this the first time we're seeing this? Or did they maybe hint at this in a an earlier part of the show and we didn't catch it? I think they, at least in the blimp, were purposely tying them down. So they were st- in their Titan form. But then when Zeke yelled, that's when they were unable they're able to, like, free themselves from those like from those wraps and the parachutes and become huge they were humongous yeah i don't know exactly what happened in that in that part well i hope we i hope we learn more because that was very intriguing to me um and then after that we see reiner um kind of parachute his way down and ha- he he says that he's sick and tired of walls which i thought was just a really good kind of moment for for reiner um and he has to me, what is like one of the most badass transformations that we've seen so far? Because all he does is slit his hand, and then like you see the the yellow glow of his transformation, and it zoomed it zooms into his face, and it just it was a really slick way to kind of hint at like him transforming without mm-hmm. having to show us the entire transformation, and it also just gave us this feel of like Reiner being a seasoned warrior, a seasoned titan wielder because he just without a beat just transforms he's unfazed by the fact that he has to slit his hand open it's just it's such a a natural thing for him at this point yeah and he pummeled through that fort like it was nothing even when he was being bombarded with with cannons and shells like that whole assault scene was just again i didn't really 
agree with the animation quality, but it was still a very epic climactic scene to watch. Well, yeah, and, and um, I guess a couple of moments before that, one of the most chilling sounds to me in this entire show is not really when Titans scream. For me, it's when Titans run. Like the noise that the armored Titan makes when he's an, in a full-on sprint, like that, that, like that stomping of his feet is just like super chilling to me because if you think about it, like that, I mean that that signals a huge thing is running and it's running really fast. Like there's no way you're gonna survive something like that chasing you. So when I hear mm-hmm. that sound of Titans running like that, it just like is such a cool, a cool sound for me. See, I loved when it switched from Reiner screaming. To his titan screaming that that gave me a lot of chills i do yeah, i do enjoy hearing a titan scream like when aaron's titan the attack titan screams like it's just mm-hmm. it's a cool sound the way they i don't know manipulate the sound of the voice to be really deep and like scary it's yeah. it's fun and it's always a treat to hear zeke in his human form speak because it's dio like it's dio <laughs> from jojo Zio. and it's just it's always a pleasure when he is actually in his human form and gets to have a couple lines of dialogue. I think you forgot one more voice actor that needs to be mentioned. Um, Falco is voiced by the actor who does Tanjiro. That's right. And at first I kept thinking it was Midoriya. And I was like, no, that that's not right. And you, you confirmed it was Tanjiro. Which, all, yeah, all these protagonists sound the same now. Yeah. <laughs> which, when we first watched Demon Slayer, I immediately thought that Tanjiro's voice actor was Midoriya's voice actor, but then I was wrong when I Googled it. So to your to your point about Reiner getting utterly destroyed by those cannons, that's huge for this episode. That's probably, for me, one of the biggest takeaways from this episode, because this signals the decline of the Titan era. Um, the Armored Titan is supposed to be the strongest, toughest Titan out of the nine Mm -hmm. but technology has clearly caught up to the point where even he's weakened and kind of easily we also get hints of this at the beginning of the episode when um commander magath tells colt that they can't send out their two titans the the cart and the jaw yeah the cart and the jaw titans um because the enemy's weapons could easily hit the napes of their necks um because colt is obviously in that mentality like we have titans we are strong but commander magath understands that that the enemy has weapons powerful enough to just destroy their biggest or their their strongest weapons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, th- this whole I think this this is the key takeaway, at least for me, from this episode that there's a huge shift in the value and the power of Titans. Yeah, which makes me curious to think like why Marley is so keen on getting the founding Titans' power. Like, how is that going to be to their advantage, knowing that there's like this disadvantage they have in terms of weapon technology being used against them. That's a really good point. What could the founding Titan possibly do to overcome this advance in technology? Like, yeah, that's a really good, another great question that I hope gets answered this season. Yeah, unless they think they can control the mass population of Titans and provide, like, overwhelming forces against whoever um is in conflict uh, conflict with marley but that's a good point yeah 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 i could see that but i guess we'll see in the next 15 episodes or so (laughs) we shall see um and one of the last shots of the episode is um the beast titan going up against the fleet of ships and you get that final shot of the ship sinking and the the beast titan clearly has thrown like an, like the final barrage of shells at at the the ships but you see the beast titan like in the distance at the top of the hill where the fort is at and he is just huge like even at that distance where he has to throw these shells and it takes a moment for them to actually land it's just like an eerie feeling knowing that he is that big that he's still that size in the distance and that clear in the distance. So I thought that was a really cool shot. That's probably one of my favorite shots of this whole episode. I just got like chills down my spine. Cause if that were real life, I would probably just poop my pants. It makes me think now that Armin has the colossal Titan power. What is 
his gonna look like in comparison oh crap you're right yeah, yeah the beast never, titan is not even that big compared yeah. to the colossal titan. we've not we haven't seen armin's colossal titan form so far right i'm so excited to see it i wonder if they'll keep his like ugly blonde hairdo <laughs> not, that the, his, not that the yeah. blonde is ugly it's just the way they cut it i'm just like he's got a helmet head going on i've never yeah. liked armin's haircut i'm sorry but i want to see how they handle it with the colossal titan i also would like to see a, a distant shot of the colossal titan similar to this one of the beast titan so i can get a good sense of just how much bigger the colossal titan is from the other titans i know they gave us a little bit of that in the last season when the armored titan was fighting alongside the colossal titan but i just need like a distant shot like a big comparison shot of the colossal titan Mm -hmm. the only other big burning question i have from this episode actually it's not even from this episode it's just in general it's about the female titan can a man inherit the female titan's powers because this episode makes it clear that a woman can inherit the armored titan's powers because gabby is looking forward to that and if your theory is correct then the jaw titan could have possibly gone from a female to now a male assuming galliard is is some guy or whatever so now i'm wondering like can a man inherit the female titan power or is that only inheritable by a female Maybe there are certain requirements that need to be met in order for someone to wield the female Titan power specifically. But again, that power is still in limbo since Annie's currently wielding it. That one's probably the the second biggest mystery to the ninth Titan that we haven't even seen yet. Mm -hmm. So the final thing I'll say about... I guess this first episode, um, but really the start to the whole season, is that it's always a bummer when we don't get to see the main trio. I mean, they're they're the ones that we, they're the ones whose story we've been following. That we grew up with. <laughs> yeah, like literally, like we grew up with them. Um, and, you know, it's just, they're to me, they're the main characters. And I, I, I think that's pretty arguable. Um, but hopefully these first couple episodes because in the preview it didn't seem like we're gonna get them in the second episode either hopefully these first episodes are just setting up the background or kind of world building so that the rest of the um the season can be focused on the main trio in the final you know final days of their journey um because they're really who i'm most interested to see like the the world of attack on titan is huge there's a lot to absorb but at the end of the day i'm coming back to the show time and time again because i want to see what is happening with Aaron, Mikasa, and Armin. And my final point kind of ties into that in that with this episode and, again, looking at the preview of the next episode and maybe a couple more after that, we're getting the story from the Marley point of view. And what I'm wondering is, is this choice of storyline or is this story choice going to force us to empathize with the aggressors? Light spoilers here, like a la Last of Us Part 2. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I guess, if it's just there to provide context to the overarching conflict at hand, at hand that's fine. But, I don't know. Sometimes that kind of choice of writing or presenting a story can be debatable especially so late in the game like this is the final season i want to see what happens to the main trio like i just that's all i care about i want to know how their stories conclude um and forcing again if if what you're hypothesizing is the actual direction they're going i i just like i don't care this late in the game it may be if you would have introduced something like that in season three okay because i know there's at least significant time left in the story to to get what I'm looking for from the main trio. But mm-hmm. this late in the game, like, man, there's only 16, hopefully 26 episodes left. Like, I don't I don't know if I care that much, you know? Yeah. Hopefully I'm wrong. And again, hopefully, it, again, it's just there to provide context. But who knows? Yeah, they're, they're really interesting characters. I, I enjoy this first episode, but I'll take one, two, because we get the preview for the next episode, maybe three of them being the focus and then i i expect to see a switch to the main cast so we'll see just some small nitpicks and these are really stupid but the mid-east soldiers had plenty of time to shoot gabby 
when she threw those grenades. Oh my god, yeah, that was really frustrating. <laughs> but I get it, it's in service of the plot. And another thing is, if at least one soldier in the fort looked up during that aerial assault while the Titans were done raining down on them, they could have easily sniped either Reiner or Zeke. Yeah, <laughs> but... that, that was super convenient as well. Yeah, I mean, I get it, like, they're focusing on the the threat at hand that's right in front of them. But, yeah, wouldn't you be able to see, like, there's two parachutes coming down, or at least one parachute and then another parachute. It's like, yeah, take them out right there, right before they transform, and but, then Marley loses the war. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, but if they did that, then we wouldn't be where we are right now. <laughs> right. I, again, these are just things I was thinking of. <laughs> And to conclude, I know we usually save our ratings for the end of a season or the end of an anime, but again, since this is a special event, we're going to make an exception. So for your final thoughts, how many anti-Titan trains would you give this episode out of 10? I would say, even though I have a couple of gripes with this first episode, it was a very epic start to the season. I would give it a 9 out of 10. Um, even though when you think about it in terms of span of time, not a lot happened. It was just one battle in, I don't know, maybe like a couple of hours, but in terms of what happened in ter- like for the world and in, in, in service of the plot, a lot happened. We had, it revealed so much to us and also opened up all these new doors and, and all these questions. So I, I really appreciated that again, coupled with just the, the stunning visuals and, and all of the action that we got in this first episode. What about you? I'm going to be a little more conservative with my rating, but I would give this episode an eight and a half anti-Titan trains out of 10. I will say that for a 20 minute episode, it feels like 40 minutes. And for the same reasons that you mentioned, um, it packs a lot of world building and exposition, all of which though kind of flows naturally. But I feel like this is going to be the start of an arc that focuses more on the Marley side of the Titan War, whether or not that's a good or bad thing. I'll have to save my judgment for that when that comes. Um, but I would say that it's pretty high concept. And hopefully, again, it will just provide context to the bigger conflict at hand. And this just makes me excited to see whether or not we'll get a Marley version of Hitler. <laughs> Maybe. That one dude in the preview looked like he might be him. Yeah, but we'll see. And that wraps up this special event episode of Strictly Anime. New podcast episodes will release every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central following the new episode of Attack on Titan. This is in addition to our regular schedule for Strictly Anime. You can follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. Check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you can reach out to us to share your thoughts on Attack on Titan or share any feedback on our podcast. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageyo. Shinzo Sasageyo.